Pubcast. I think one of the things I'm super excited about and really proud about with this book is how eclectic it is. There really is something for everyone. And while journaling isn't a one size fits all, you know, it's one of those things we can do in our lives to improve our lives, our health and so forth. This book really takes anyone, a seasoned journal writer could find something new, someone who's just curious about journaling, how might it help them? It gives them all kinds of ideas for that. So I really like how it can meet every journaler where they're at and might even invite people into journaling who might never have thought they'd even do it. I've had a few people say that. I didn't think I'd ever journal, but I looked at your book and I've started and that's really rewarding. Welcome to the Liberated Healer podcast, where we touch on a variety of topics in the world of spirituality, energetic healing, and everything in between and beyond. Take an adventure on a shooting star with your hosts, Gina and Linnea, offering their wisdom, guidance, and everlasting love and support. Hi, everybody. My name is Gina Cavalier, and this is the Liberated Healer podcast. And I'm really excited today to bring some friends together. And I've already interviewed Eric before for Mingo Publishing, which is a great partner of mine. So we have Eric Mizell and Linda Monk on, on the podcast today. Welcome. Thank you. Good to see you. Nice to see you. So um, we interviewed Eric for his book, Redesign Your Mind, recently, and we had a really good turnout for people that um, uh, came to watch that podcast. And um, I would also advise people to go back and re-listen to that after this, because there's a lot of really good information in there that he provided. And so I'm really interested to hear, uh, learn a little bit about Linda and how you guys came together to build this and a little bit about your personal journey into this discovery that this was something needed in the world. So do you want to start with Eric? I think Linda will start. Okay, let's go. Okay, great. Well, wow, how we got started with this. Uh, I have an organization called the International Association for Journal Writing. And Eric is one of the journal council members. Our journal council is a group of experts and authors, people in the creativity field, expressive writing fields, people who are passionate and knowledgeable about journaling. And that group of people, we joined together to have conversations and connection to inspire each other's work. And during one of those, we call them journal council connection uh, meetings, an idea came up that we should write a book about journaling. We have all of these people who've written their own respective books in the fields, and we could maybe do something collaborative. And I don't even remember who initially planted that seed. It might have even been you, Eric, but it was somebody. And I need to remember who. So if you remember, Eric, that would be great to give you credit. I think I I probably did, because I'm always looking for a book project in every conversation. So I, I probably... He really, really is. I know that about him. I've only been a couple times. <laughs> yes, yes. I've grown to know and, and dearly love that about you, Eric. It's inspiring. Yes. So that happened. The idea, hey, we should do this. And of course, uh, Gina, you've obviously connected with Eric before. When a seed gets planted for an idea, especially around a book, that does not take long to germinate and take roots and get publishers. So that happened. And um, it was early on uh, in the beginning of COVID, if I recall correctly, that's sort of a thing that's dating our, our timelines here. Uh, 
uh, Eric, uh, we put a proposal together to um, mango for this book. That was actually that was anyway somewhere along there. We did another book before. Yeah, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll jump in. So I had decided. I'm not sure if it was a year ago or two years ago to do more collaborations. I do everything on my own. I've been doing things on my own for 50 years. I enjoy that. I have no problem doing things on my own, but it's starting to get a little isolating with COVID. My live workshops, which I've been doing around the world, weren't happening. So I just wanted to do some things with people. So anytime I heard of an opportunity to do something with people, I was starting to jump on it, which is why I've been doing co-edited books over the last couple of years in, in different genres. To refresh his mind and our mind, we started out proposing a book to a publisher called Rutledge about transformational journaling for coaches and therapists and clients. And that was the first collaboration we did. This is the second collaboration. And now we have a third one in the works. Yeah, this is the second one, The Great Book of Journaling. And then we have a new one in the works about completing creative work, which is maybe the hardest part of the creative process is actually getting to the end and calling things done. So we're working on a book about that now. But that's sort of the rhythm. We started with a book for Rutledge and then did one, did this one for Mango. Well, I like that this is a collective of, you know, I didn't even know. I, that's why I love about this podcast. I didn't even know there's like this international group of journaling like how wonderful is that first of all and that you brought people together with a common interest and found out how it helps so many people and then collect that information and energy to put it out in the world because like you were saying you might have had a piece and then your other one of the, your other journalists in there had a piece and and so instead of putting out 10 books with just little pieces you put in one great book so you know because I think this is the end all be all journaling book I've ever seen. And I've seen a lot of journaling books and in my spiritual advice through what I give out and what people give back to me, journaling has, is, is so important when you're trying to break up a trauma or release, um, uh, some habits that you, you don't, you have subconsciously have that you're trying to evolve out of. This is the number one way to get rid of or work on anything in your life. So it is very, very important. So um, why don't we go ahead and talk about some of your, um, the juiciest parts of this book that you're super excited about for people to learn to help them. Hmm. I think one of the things I'm super excited about and really proud about with this book is how eclectic it is. There really is something for everyone. And while journaling isn't a one size fits all, you know, it's one of those things we can do in our lives to improve our lives, our health and so forth. This book really takes anyone, a seasoned journal writer could find something new, someone who's just curious about journaling, how might it help them? It gives them all kinds of ideas for that. So I really like how it can meet every journaler where they're at and might even invite people into journaling who might never have thought they'd even do it. I've had a few people say that. I didn't think I'd ever journal, but I looked at your book and I've started and that's really rewarding. Uh, not that not that our mission is to convert people into journal writers, but it is uh, a hope to bring it into as many people's lives as, as we can because of how helpful and beneficial it is. Yeah. yeah. And for example, I, you know, 
I struggled with finding my uh, love partner and I, that's something I really, really, really wanted in my life. And I actually did start by journaling. And there is a chapter in here, chapter 35, journaling to find love. And people always say, well, how did you find this, this perfect match for you guys? And I was like, I wrote it all down, everything <laughs> to the very end with, I hope he can cook like every little thing. And then when he came in, I still had it. And I, I showed him, this is my list. And he was like, Oh man, that's crazy. So hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe it was, it puts it out there that I was, you know, it almost, it does confirm that that is what I'm looking for. And maybe it helps put it out there. So it Absolutely. There's, there's a, there's books written on that. There's a book called write it down, make it happen uh, by Henriette Lerner. And there's lots of journals around the law of attraction. And of course, in our book, there's lots of elements around how to actually use journaling to create the life you want. And that chapter that Kim Addis wrote on journaling to find love is, is one of those examples. And uh, it's a topic that people are really interested in. I hosted a go to the page speaker series in January of this year. And the theme of it was how to use journaling to manifest your dreams and goals. And all the speakers spoke from a different perspective. And it's something that because we journaling isn't just something to document our days it that's one thing we can do and lots of people use it in that way but it's actually a tool to create the lives we want to create the results that we want to solve the problems that we might have to generate mindsets that can support us in positive ways so it's actually i think of it as a power tool you know a, a super tool that can help us do and accomplish so many things in our lives and in our well-being and what I like about Eric's influence on everything overall, knowing him a little bit, because he has that, he can bring in that part of the mind, right? Like what's on my mind, what's going on, what should I be aware of? And you're using your clinical and wealth of knowledge in that area too, to add advice. Because if you're just like, go ahead and write this down and do your feelings and stuff, um, you know, some people need to have that um, clinical information that you've ha you have a wealth of information, Eric. So I think that's a great way that it, it probably was a, a way to really help flesh out this book. Is Am I correct in that? Yeah. In the book that preceded this one, the uh, transformational journaling book with Rutledge, I did a chapter on something I call the focused journal method which is an eight step method. I'm not obviously gonna go through the steps, but for me, there's a way to use journaling so that you can start to think thoughts that serve you, tease out intentions, understand what you want to get done, what efforts you want to make, and then align your thoughts and your behaviors with those efforts. So I understand how journaling can be used for, let's call it pure self-reflection, but I also think it's a great tool for efficacy, for instrumentality a tool to, so that you can get the things done in life. I try to train clients to believe that they have multiple life purposes rather than one life purpose. I think one life purpose is a kind of trap idea. Yeah. And so if you have multiple life purposes, that's a lot to track, a lot to keep track of. Each one of those life purposes has to find some place into your life if it's actually a life purpose. And that's really tricky. So if you're interested in, in parenting and service and activism and creativity and career and this, that, and the other thing, so everybody's overwhelmed, not just because they're busy, but because they're trying to track so many life purposes. 
all of which are important. I think that it's also maybe like a, a programming or an identity programming about, don't you know what you want to do? You know, and um, I go back to my own personal experience because um, my, my first husband that I, you know, he knew exactly what he wanted to do his whole life. And so, and I had many different careers and paths and he used to say to me, that was a, like a negative. Like, I don't understand why you don't know what you want to do. And I would actually recoil and feel bad about myself that, wow, I don't have this chosen destiny. Why did they get that chosen destiny? And then you kind of fall into a hole instead of yeah. realizing we're all different. And maybe that one person had that one thing, but actually um, I used to think of it as a negative. Nothing is a positive because I've been able to go in all these different areas and I have a little bit of knowledge of all of them. And uh, I, I'm a knowledge seeker and that's why yep. I have the thing. So I I think in, yeah. Yeah. It, in working with clients, I do think they need to know sort of what's the priority on a given day so that they're not, they aren't just a dilettante and jumping from thing to thing because that doesn't serve them. That disappoints them ultimately if they're just jumping from thing to thing. Correct. So I do, and it could be a different prior, priority each day, but I, my sense of life is that we negotiate each day around the, the things we decide are important, but we do, we do need to know what's, what's, what's the first thing, which is why I sometimes have to invite my clients to journal, not as a first thing, not as a Julia Cameron morning pages kind of thing, but get to their creative work first, if that's their priority, and shift the journaling to another time of the day, because the journaling has its value. But you may be, if you're a writer, you may be using up your words journaling and not working on your novel. So it's complicated, but I think it, I think it's all interesting. And I, I think we have, I think we can help people figure out how to get the journaling into their life in such a way that they can get their life purposes met. Yeah. And what I saw in your portion, Linda, was that you're helping people through the, I don't know what to even write today. So you're helping them through giving them well, why don't you think about this? Why don't you contemplate, you know, um, even just connecting with Mother Earth today? Like I saw a whole chapter that you're talking about that. So um, do you have any insight, more insight on kind of that whole process and when you're kind of lost? Mm -hmm. Well, when I think about journaling, I think about discovery. I think about how can what I write about actually impact my life in a positive way? So not just necessarily doing it for doing its sake, although there is that, the joy of creative self-expression and so forth. But as a coach and as a social worker, my whole life's work has been about helping people go from you know where they are now to where they're trying to get to. And so I really value that awareness to action piece. So you've been journaling. And, you know, what have you discovered? What are you noticing? Kind of so what now what? What do you want to do with that awareness? What action do you then want to take in your life? And that's not every time someone goes to the page to journal, but that sort of accumulative effect. Of it. What are what are you seeing here about who you are? What matters to you? What's meaningful and purposeful, like Eric said? And therefore, what does your day look like? You know, what what do you want to do? Who do you want to be? Uh, how are you going to accomplish some of those goals? So I really care about it as a tool for being in action, actually, and not just a passive sort of reflection. That's the process. But then what does that process lead to is what I really, you know, am very interested in. And then for me, it's also a reservoir of information. 
because so many of my clients are working on memoirs and they want to mine their journals for material for the memoir. That's why I did my chapter on from journal to memoir, because it's really a very difficult task to have scores and scores of journals and try to figure out how to make use of them in the context of writing a memoir. Mm -hmm. So I chat about four, we'll call them psychological challenges to making use of your journal for the sake of memoir. The first is being clear that you're willing to reveal yourself. Because a lot of writers of memoir will say, sure, I'm happy showing my dirty laundry and what have you, but they don't actually mean it. Uh, yeah. When <laughs> to shove, they don't actually mean it. So, so folks have to get clear on that one or else their memoir will take 14 years and never get written if they're not yeah. clear on that one. Then the second challenge is, is actually being willing to expose others, whether it's, you know, siblings or the butcher or anybody. If you're writing a memoir, you're talking about other people. And, and even if you're saying kind of nice things about them, they may not think it's nice enough. <laughs> so I can imagine. <laughs> that's, its, that's its own challenge. And then there's just so much material, which means that you have to choose among the material and choosing provokes anxiety. So actually the activity of going into your journals to find material is, is an anxious making activity. So those are some of the things I wanted to chat about in my chapter because I have so many, so many clients who are trying to work on memoir and taking so long to do it because they have not quite faced these core psychological issues. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm one of I'm one of those uh, people that benefited from Eric's chapter. I've been going from journal to memoir, in part through a process of writing my adoptee memoir, and all of the things Eric talked about in that chapter are you know very real, and I think probably you know, potentially universal uh, for memoir writers. We actually have a course in the IAJW by that same. Uh, um, title from journal to memoir and uh, it's uh, with a writing teacher Sheila Bender who also has a chapter uh, in, in the book on I think the fragmentary uh, journals she's a writing teacher so this part of what I really loved about Eric's chapter and others in the book is this going from journal writer which is that personal private writing for oneself of course to what about that public writing, whether that's personal essay or blogging or writing memoirs, writing books, because then you have an audience, then you have readers, then the craft of writing matters. Whereas in your journal, you know, you don't have to worry about grammar and spelling or anything else. So, but that bridge gets crossed by a lot of journal writers. And uh, it's, it's very interesting when I do workshops, for example, I'll ask people, how many are journal writers and hands will go up? How many are writing a memoir and hands go up? How many are doing both and different hands go up? So people identify sometimes, you know, with, with the way they go to the page and what it's being used for, obviously. Well, the first thing I ever wrote, and um, I didn't have, I actually didn't have a lot of education. I left really early um, to care for um, my brother who was in a motorcycle accident. So I had to leave school very, very early. And so all that followed me. The, the loss of education was very something that I was very um, shameful of. And I tried to hide and I got very big jobs. And then when I would kind of do like an error, a grammar error, I would have anxiety. You know what I mean? Like, oh my God, I can't believe I put that in that thing. And then I would because I was in a big company, like an entertainment company, you know, would people would shame me for that. And so I had a lot of anxiousness about it. And the first thing I wrote, ever wrote was a 
it was a script, but it was my memoir. Um, I wrote it. I wrote it as a rock opera um, because mm, I, cool. I, I had a lot of music in my life, um, and every all the scenes were like of my family and da 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 da. But I, it was such a big release, and I never, I never even sent out the script to anybody. People are like, your first script was a rock opera. <laughs> And I was, but that was my telling, but I, that's why I'm kind of reflecting back to you is a memoir, a script, but that was such a huge release to release all those images in my life, you know, uh, as in, um, and, and dealing with the process of that. And then also letting all that story go. So now I can go to the new story. And that's sort of what I think like about journaling. And sometimes you can go back and say, gosh, I'm not that person anymore. Hmm. Mm -hmm. And yeah. praise, praise the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's then there's that thread of coherence we see as well, that continuity of who we are. You know, some of those core values that might run through our life or what matters to us. And uh, I just want to acknowledge you for you know what you've been through and caring for your brother and you know that thread of then you turning and using that story to, you know, using writing, using your creativity to kind of process that story or experience. And even though you never published it, the act of doing that is something of value in your own life. And lots of people will sometimes think, well, was it valuable to write this? I never got it published, you know, this or that. It's like, well, the value is in how it benefited you to get it out, to get it down, to restory it you know, to pull the thread forward that that you want to bring with you in your own life, those insights and meaning and so forth. Yeah, thanks for sharing that, Gina. So there's, there's a trap in the American culture. It's been going on for hundreds of years from the transcendental philosophers on, and it's the trap of progress. We're supposed to be making progress at all times. The philosophers back then had the image of an upward spiral as the American icon, always going up, always going forward. Of course, that meant stealing people's land and all of that. That's what meant. That's what progress meant. But I think we've all have that baked into us, the idea of making progress. So anything that connects us to pure process as opposed to progress, I think is really valuable. I think it's 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 an it's it's deeply calming to do something that's process oriented because at least for those five minutes or 20 minutes or hour, we don't have to be thinking about making progress. Mm -hmm. And it's yeah. also a tool. So that's what, one reason why I put out all, all these videos and interview, I'm just trying to provide as many tools possible to say that one, you know, works for me. That one works for me. Think, you know, and so if this is a tool that works for you, yep. you know, it, it it works for you. And, but if you don't even know it's out there or that other people like, that's why I think that you have this society. How cool is that? You know, a group of people who is super and also your book, you know, um, this is, this is not one person journey or, or, or a recommendation. So you have different flavors of the way that you're presenting the context. So I think that that, that is also very helpful to the reader because one area might read more to that certain person. So thank you for putting that together. That's a lot of work. Yeah. <laughs> just, just on the note of different opinions or different points of view, as I said at the beginning, I wanted these years to be about collaboration. That moved me as an idea. I'm also interested in mystery. 
as an idea because I'm a secular humanist, atheist kind of person, and there's a sense in which I don't believe in mystery. But at the same time, I do. And so if somebody wants to do a chapter about talking to trees, I'm actually very curious about that. It's not a, it's not in my belief system. Um, I would probably be going to a doctor if I started talking to trees, but, <laughs> Dang. But, there's, but there's something in all of that that I find very interesting. So I, I think, I think Linda does this automatically. I have to do it more consciously and that's inviting in other points of views and, and other opinions into my world. But I thought that was a value of this book also. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I also really appreciate learning, you know, the, the process of putting the book together. Jeannie just said it's a lot of work and it's really um, such an honor to be, to receive all of these chapters and read people's points of view and their stories and their experiences. And then to kind of, you know, you when you do a collaborative book like this, you're, it's not so much about writing but about organizing and editing and, you know, gathering people to, and then to make something come into a whole, but in the wholeness of it, a lot of times journaling is one of those simplistic things. Well, of course, journaling, get a piece of paper and a pen and write, write some stuff down. But I like, like opening it up like this mysterious, I like that word mystery, this mysterious sort of basket, like it just has these infinite possibilities. There can be all that space around, you know, how to journal. And this book does that. There's some journaling basics, there's journaling prompts. But then there's the all the different ways journaling can help you, you know, how journaling can help you cope with grief or make like decisions, gain more clarity, you know, in, enrich your spiritual uh, life or your meaning making and so forth. So there's the, the how to journal conversation. And then there's the here's how journaling can improve your life you know, conversation. And I like how the book kind of opens all of that up and makes it, I think, a really rich and uh, enjoyable book uh, to read. There's kind of, uh, I had the same experience in a different way. Um, obviously, to Eric, I'd come to some chapters, it's like, wow, I never, I never thought of that. Or I don't know that I would use it that way. But I love that someone else has even articulated this. And so every reader will have that experience of a book like this, which is fantastic. They can make it their own and, and see what they gravitate to. Correct. Going, going back a long time now, 120, 130 years to, to Freud, Freud had a lot of goofy ideas and a lot of interesting ideas. <laughs> One of his more interesting ones was the idea of defensiveness, that we're defensive creatures as a species. And he named all of those defenses, rationalization and denial and intellectualization, etc. His daughter, Anna, who was smart, chose the defenses as the one thing to pull out of his philosophy to work on herself as a psychoanalyst. And I think we don't quite understand the extent to which we're defensive creatures and, as Jung said, have blind spots. I think that's one of the places journaling is so valuable, mm. is that it, it's it's a sort of trick to get under our own defenses that just by getting the words out, we're kind of forced to see what we're thinking in ways in which if we were just sitting watching a TV show, we would not be forced to notice what we're actually thinking or experiencing. So I do think that it's one of the best tools to deal with core basic human defensiveness. Actually, it'd probably be really good to get this book for, you know, corporations. 
um, because what I have found in a lot of um, working with some different clients is that their management is, especially through COVID, because it did switch so many things. Like people want to like live differently and experience life differently. And they don't want to be stuck in these other jobs and things like that. But maybe, um, you know, instead of um, books just talking at you without giving you real tools, you know, I, I find there's a lot of these sales books that just talk at you like you should and you must you know, mm-hmm. this would be great for a corporation, just all of Warner Brothers or something. Get this book, you know, give it to your employees and let them have and encourage them to sit down, be, you know, get there to work a little bit early and take five minutes. Yeah. In the so, Linda, we have our next collaboration, Corporate Journaling. See? I love it. And actually, I regularly speak to employees. Oh, you can, Gina, you can come too. Yeah. Gina, yeah. <laughs> the, the area of journaling for employee wellness, for example, or leadership development or deepening management skills, you know, look at something like emotional intelligence uh, and uh, primal leadership, the work of Dan Goleman. All of these different leadership models have dimensions in them that are about self- being able to self manage being able to be self-aware, being a self-aware leader. Uh, And so journaling is one of those tools that you can use to develop those dimensions of leadership in a very Mm -hmm. effective. And it's definitely forward thinking that, you know, we, we really have to take new steps into life. And when you said the word defensiveness, that's why I thought of the corporate setting, because people they're managing a lot of things over text messages now. Right. So it's like, Hey, meeting here what happened to here why did you go there and so what happens is because there's no lot not a lot of context not a lot of kindness not a lot of verado going on like that defensiveness so you're feeling that hit all day long at work and then you're exhausted when you get home you know and and you just feel like you're getting hit at all different sides because what was happening with that text message management which i really it should be not for in-depth things. It should just be like, come to the meeting or whatever. But because people are overanalyzing everybody's, how they like, you know, what they're thinking. And you can't get out of two words what that person meant out of that. But we are trying to think about it. It goes into yeah. our system. And that word defensiveness, when you said that, I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. You know, it's, it's also a version of counting to 10, you know, temporizing, not, not saying something in a split second. So, you know, if you go take a minute off to journal about something that gave you a minute to actually think through whether you want to send that email or send that text, because it's so hard to undo things. We know that the second we, we push send on the wrong thing, then that's three weeks of undoing something or something. So mm-hmm. Journaling is just that is one of those kinds of mechanisms that give us a chance to step to the side and think about things before we push send. Yeah, I, I think that's why, you know, it's a really mindful, mindful tool as well, in that we be, can become more responsive versus reactive. All the instantaneous nature of texting and, you know, email and all the different ways of communication we have, which have their wonderful aspects, they also, as have some downsides and that 
ability to pause, like Eric's saying, not just in terms of correspondence, but in the whole of our lives, do we have something that 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 just slows us down a bit, helps our central nervous systems regulate, so that we can be coming from a you know a much more responsive, thoughtful versus just reactive uh, place, and that has benefit in every part of our lives, of course, in our loving and parenting and in organizations and everything we do, our health. And there's a lot of that missing. You know, we look at how um, prevalent, well, just, just the high rates of stress people are living with and high rates of change. Having something to feel tethered to that's literally in your own control in the, in the, little, in the palm of your hands with a pen in your hand that you can get that sense of personal uh, control, that sense of mastery, like you're not just being whipped around by the circumstances around you, but you're actually and you have some agency in your life. And I think of journaling as a very empowering act that, you know, first of all, whatever you write is right, you're always the expert of your own experience. But then when you can actually say, okay, I'm going to think about this, I'm going to re respond from a very thoughtful place it deserves that that correspondence with you know your spouse or your whoever your 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 colleague deserves to get that best mm -hmm. response and you know that that saying that you can't unring a bell there's a lot of bells being rung uh out in the social media space and out in text that you know as eric said you could send one thing it takes three weeks to undo and we probably all had those i mean you know i certainly have and it's like okay i yeah, I should have slept on that. Um, and not, not often, but enough to know that we've all been there. We've been on the receiving end. And, you know, you, you can also rehearse in your journal. You know, what do I really want this? If it's really important, you know, not just a quick thing, pick up the milk. But if it's, you know, something really important to actually rehearse, what what, what do I want to say about this? And why does it matter? It's like, I had one thought about that while you were saying that, because it is really the only thing that nobody has any input in. You know what I mean? Like a creative expression, right? You got this person has an opinion, that person has an opinion, you have an editor, or you have the, the boss or whatever, and everybody has their thing. It's the one thing that is just as pure. There's not a single other person putting that input in in your ear. Maybe. Let yeah. me just piggyback on the, on the rehearsing for a second. So... As I mentioned earlier, Linda and I are doing a book on completing projects. An awful lot of people, an awful lot of creative folks don't finish their work. Exactly. One of the reasons is that they're afraid of the next steps after the work is done, namely the reception of the work in the marketplace. And, and that's a brilliant place to rehearse, whether in a journal or some other way. Because let's say you finished a novel, there are only 12 or 15 questions that a literary agent can logically ask you and if you actually prepare your answers to those 12 or 15 questions, you're going to feel much less anxious about the whole process of finding an agent. And because you're now less anxious about that, you're more likely to finish your novel and not be worried about, you know, anticipating facing agents. So I find rehearsing is a big deal idea. It's, it's a standard idea from, you know, cognitive therapy, but it's a big deal idea. Folks need to do more rehearsing. And when I help clients be strong, which is one of the things I hope to help clients with, I ask them to rehearse sentences that are seven words or fewer in length huh. so that they can practice powerful speaking. 
sentences that sound like, please stop doing that. Without, any, without seven more sentences about why you need to stop doing that, but just please stop doing that or whatever we need to say in life, whether it's to a mate or a boss or whomever. And yeah. all of that falls for me in that category of rehearsing, preparation, knowing what you're going to say and just getting stronger by virtue of being prepared. Yeah. Well, I, think, I, I think along with that is like, there's that present moment, you know, being prepared in the here and now. And, and then there's that, you know, dreaming forward part of life, you know, these different ways we can work with the tool like journaling, we might be using it to look back and to restory something, Gina, like you did with your, you know, the way your creative process, um, after your experience with your brother, we can use it in the present moment, day by day. Uh, you know, there's things like scripting, where we can write about the future as if it's already happened, you know, one of those sort of manifesting tools in the journaling space. We can use it to dream forward. Like, you know, for example, if, you know, you have had the magic genie question, if anything was possible, you know, what would you want? What would you hope for? So we can, uh, you know, going, there's that rehearsing, there's that also dreaming out into much more distant time. And so the way that a tool like journaling can work along the timelines of our life. You know, there's a chapter in the book around the future self. I think it's the last chapter in the book. Um, yeah, there's, oh, there's also one about writing your own obituary, which I think is very, very yeah. interesting. I, I, it's so weird because I have actually been thinking about that lately because I'm thinking about helping. Um, I'm going to do some energy work on end of life transition when people are passing. Mm. Um, some, all these kind of death things are coming to me, but yeah, write your own obituary. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, because of course, writing our obituary isn't about our dying. <laughs> I think you can be kind to yourself in your own obituary, I hope. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And of course, writing our own obituaries isn't about uh, dying. It's about how we want to live, how we want to be remembered and, you know, all of that. Well, you know what? Again, thank you so much. Um, and uh, I also want to mention the International Association for Journal Writing that you that you all are a part of. And here is the book, a great book of journaling. And um, Mingo Publishing is a great partner of mine. And um, I always appreciate them bringing amazing authors and putting out, you know, again, another tool to help everybody or anybody that's resonating with this and needs it. So I highly recommend this. It's a very fun book. I think that, it again, it should corporations should get one for every one of their employees. This is, there's not a single employee that will not find something in here that would actually benefit them. And that's being a real leader is giving them tools that aren't talking at people that aren't extra work. This is actually a fun tool, you know, write it down, express it before you come into work. If you're having something, you know, like you said, practice it before you go into your boss's office, you know, so you are calm and you really understand the core reason why you're there. Like, I love how you said, Eric, get to those small words, you know what I mean? Because we get to so many words, blah, 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 blah. And then all of a sudden emotion is in and, and everything from our childhood gets thrown in there all of a sudden and we get fiery and all of a sudden we lost the point and then we get overwhelmed. And now we're dealing with three weeks, like you said, of anxiousness and fixing a relationship when all we really, it would just be so much easier if we could just smaller, more concise words, but that is done through journaling. Do you have any? Final 
Yeah, that allows us to say thank you. That's only two words. Thank you. And thank you. Anything else? I just no. want to slide in, just because it's coming into my mind. There's a lot of burnout going on right now. You know, burnout's always been in our midst, but it's off the charts in healthcare, people who've been in the front lines during the pandemic, just in society. There's there's a lot of uh, in the collective that that is, you know, in the burnout space. And I've worked in in the area of burnout prevention for many years. And I, I anything we can do that doesn't take a lot of time, that gives us that a chance to pause, to think, to regroup is part of our uh, recovery because burnout's a trajectory that happens from that accumulated stress over time and the turning away from one's own needs and, uh, you know, in circumstance and so forth, you know, doctors that have been just working incredible overtime and, you know, all, all of that's here, that's all the factors that have made burnout ripe for just multiplying as it has. And so that pause button, that coming back to say, what do I need? How will I meet that need? Is a question that's got way out in the ether, you know, for so many people during COVID. And journaling is a tool that is, it can be so hugely uh, valuable in helping people come back to themselves. And I think that that, you know, that ability to do that is going to be part of the burnout uh, recovery individually and collectively organizations to say, what do we need now? What do our people need? Uh, you know, and so forth. So um, it's a place to ask and answer those important questions that will be part of, I think, part of the, 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 uh, the, well, you know, the resiliency conversation moving forward. I agree. And sometimes people want and need permission. And this helps them give permission to themselves. It's okay to take those 10 minutes. Even if no matter where you are, it's okay to start your day very calmly instead of going right into the emails, you know, process this. So thank you so much. That was a great, you know, I want to um, acknowledge all of the burnout from especially healthcare workers. It is a real thing. And I just came off of a project working on that with some seniors and, you know, they are really hanging on by a thread still. This isn't over for them. You know, they're still having waves of COVID and, you know, having to isolate people. And, you know, sometimes they're old people that can't see their family. And they're, you know, lots of really hard, you know, things um, happening. So thank you for recognizing that burnout and that this is, that was a great way to, I really wanted to make sure we talk about that. So Thank you. Thank you, Eric. And thank you, Linda. And thank you, Mango Publishing. And, and thank you, Gina. Yeah. The Liberation <laughs> Podcast. Thank you. Bye for now. Bye. Thank Bye. you. If you enjoyed this episode, you can find us online at theliberatedhealer.com, on Instagram at Liberated Healer Podcast, or on Facebook at The Liberated Healer. Give us a follow, subscribe, send us a message if you so feel, and thank you for your support. Podcast.